All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and it so happens to be Wednesday, March 2nd. I know that these uh, podcast episodes are going to live forever and ever in the ether, but um, if you are listening to a recent episode, March 2nd, Wednesday, March 2nd is that date. I'm going to be introducing our brand new guest here in just a second. Madison Hernandez is going to be hanging out with us today and bringing an interesting topic that we really haven't um, touched on specifically in over 500 episodes. So it's going to be really great. Before we get to Madison and before I introduce her, I just want to mention a couple of things. If you are live streaming today, make sure that you ask questions, that you comment, you join the conversation. We want you to be part of this. It's, it's here largely for that reason. And um, so take advantage of the opportunity to ask our guests or myself questions, comment on your experience as it relates to the topic, be part of the conversation. Would love to have you. And then for those of you, again, that are listening to the audio version of this after the fact, I'll remind you as well that we do have these live streams, one to two a week. And if you follow us on Instagram at Boca Podcast, you can keep up to date with the upcoming live streams. We'll let you know there on our Instagram account stories as well as uh, our main feed. So make sure you're following us there and keep up to date with that. And then last thing, before I introduce Madison, um, I just want to, again, encourage you all, remind you, I popped a receipt up on the screen. I told you I would do this before every episode, made a donation to Charity Water today. You know, I, I, we, there's a lot going on in the world right now, in particular, of course, Ukraine, and it's, it's super sad, but honestly, it, it, it has helped me gain additional perspective. And life, so much about life and business for that matter is about perspective. And we need to keep um, an open mind to what is going on there in the sense that maybe there's some opportunity for us to learn, to gain a little bit of perspective that, that, causes, that causes us to act out of appreciation and in some way improve what it is that we're doing in our life day to day. And certainly we can consider what those people are going through in the Ukraine and um, whether it's looking for opportunities for ways to give to the people that are dealing with that struggle at the moment, or as I mentioned, Charity Water or some local uh, organization. Look for those opportunities to give. Super important. And I just want to encourage you all with that again. All right. Enough of the uh, introduction and monologue. I want to introduce our guests for today. Madison Hernandez is here with me. Madison, thank you so much for coming to hang out with me. We managed to jump on with minimal technical issues. I think we're going to make this happen. Thank you for having me today, Nathan. I'm so excited. <laughs> no, it's totally my privilege. And uh, I'm glad we're going to make this happen because we're actually, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to get into a topic that really we haven't specifically addressed before. Uh, what we have talked about in the podcast a number of times is the process of moving from one market to the next. And that's its own conversation. We're going to at least touch on that a little bit today. But what we are going to get into is how after moving to a different market, we might actually maintain the business we had in our old marketplace. Like what if we want to run a long distance business. And I know you're going to share some insight into that. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. I, I sense the super high energy coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump actually into the first set of questions. And, and I like to ask these set of questions, repeated questions to our guests as they come on the show. It gives us an opportunity to kind of get to know you a little bit. And uh, so let's start actually with your brand position or the unique value proposition that I would normally say you offer to your local market. In this case, you're doing so remotely, which is kind of fun. But what is the brand position of your photography business? Right. So um, my brand position is that I specialize in heartfelt, candid style imagery that is colorful, vibrant, emotive, and made with soul. Um, I dabble in several different markets from weddings to lifestyle newborn to even creative branding. Um, but at the baseline, I really just value authentic storytelling for all of life's sacred moments. Well, and I'm going to actually pull your website up here as we're talking at Madison Hernandez, just like it sounds for everybody listening in.com, madisonhernandez.com. And I jump over there and you talk about color and soul and yeah. you can see the intention and in, in infusing that in your brand and uh, kudos to you for that. And I scroll down just a little bit, Georgia based photographer, artist and toddler mom serving Atlanta and beyond specializing, as you said earlier, specializing in heartfelt, candid style imagery, colorful, vibrant, emotive, made with soul. And tell me just briefly, if you will, how you came up with that, that position statement. What led to the focus on those elements of running a photography business? Yeah, sure. So um, honestly, it started with just asking my audience um, to kind of take a look at my work and 
to tell me what words come up for them, um, descriptive words. And I really took that into consideration because I kind of had a vision for the direction I wanted my work to go in. Um, for a long time, I had kind of aired more on the moody side of things. And um, I had just had some changes in my life. Like my life in general was just becoming more colorful. And so I really wanted to pull in these more playful, um, emotive elements, including more color into my work. And so um, I just started asking my audience, you know, what they felt when they look at my images. And, um, and then I tried to just kind of steer it in the direction that I wanted it to go from there. And that's actually an interesting take. And we haven't really talked a lot about brand position as it, and, and I guess establishing a brand position based on client feedback. I think it's super important that photographers are intentional when they establish a brand position. But I think it's an interesting point of conversation, maybe one we can come back to at some point, considering how our clients see us. And if there's an opportunity to play on how our clients already see us and then kind of double down on that position in the, in the marketplace that we're working in, I think that's a really interesting approach. You know, we can, we can work really hard to come up with some creative idea or one that, I mean, there's a, there's a market for, but letting our clients do the work for us, in, in essence, just by getting their feedback, this is a really interesting way to go about doing that. And you said you just had that conversation. Did you send emails out or have phone calls with them or what'd you do? I just posted on Instagram. I okay. think it was Instagram stories maybe with like a question box where everybody could submit answers. Yeah. Um, and some of the answers I expected and some of them I totally did not. Um, so it really just, it was a little bit of market research, I guess you could say, um, to kind of read the room and take inventory of the way other people see my work and to evaluate what direction I wanted to go in. Um, and then from there, I just started plucking things from my portfolio of things that I wanted to shoot more. So I started okay. curating my feed. You know, I wanted to shoot um, more fun events, like think confetti and color and motion and movement. So I just combed through my portfolio and I was like, I'm going to start, I'm going to essentially put out into the world what I want to receive back. Um, so yeah. That's how I did that. Well, and you're you're uh, consistent in your representation of color, even your outfit, the, the background, the stuff you, the decorations you have there in your house. I mean, it's it's you're very very consistent in that. And at the end of the day, I think that's important. That effort at consistency across the board, the messaging certainly, making sure it's everywhere, so everybody, anywhere anybody goes, it's associated with their brand immediately. They're reminded of that that position. Uh, but then you even back it up with the clothing that you wear, the way that you decorate your house, and and that consistency can carry a lot of weight actually more than we might even realize in the scheme of things. So interesting point of conversation, maybe again, something that we can come back to, but let me keep going and ask you about customer experience. Okay. What has been kind of the driving ideas you've developed your business and learn how to interact with clients more effectively. What has been the driving idea or principle behind giving your customers a really good experience? Sure. So um, honestly, I'm pulling this one right from Donald Miller, <laughs> but it's really just because he said it the best. Um, and that is to be the guide. You are the one and only expert on what it is you have to offer. You're the expert on your services. You're the, export, the, the expert on um, all the options that you have to offer to your clients. And they want to be served. So um, really, it's just all about clear and effective communication. Um, you are guiding them through the process, not just to secure the lead, yeah. um, but to carry them through the experience from start to finish. And so. that's really interesting. Literally just minutes ago, I was having this conversation with uh, our head of digital marketing. We were talking about website design because when you, when you talk about being somebody's guide, not only through the process, but ultimately to that big win. Donald Miller talks about the idea of enabling them to be the hero of their own story. And if, if the pain point, um, if you're able to help them over, overcome that particular pain point through your service or that need or that desire, achieve that need or desire through your service and you're guiding them to the point where they get that win in their life or their business, whatever the context, um, they see you as way more than just a random service that they happen to buy from, right? Right. Now, now you've actually played a really significant role in their life, but it, it starts with intention 
in the communication. And like you're talking about the significance of being a guide, literally guiding them through that process. And this is something that's an ongoing challenge for us. We're trying to refine at Photographer's Edit, for example, which is expectations management. When somebody comes to our site, not only should it be super easy for them to know what service we offer, we're talking about brand position. So what service we offer, how that's different than other services in the industry. Um, but then ultimately it should be super easy for them to be able to understand how, what our service is about, what, what it is that we offer, the, the details of that, and how to actually get started. And if we don't do that, if we're not making it easy for them, then we're, we're essentially creating a barrier to entry of some kind, right? And that's hurting us as a business and our ability to grow. So I, I love that you highlight the significance of being a guide. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. It really just comes down to clear and effective communication. Um, you got to think about it um, on the basis of, you know, we're photographers. We deal with, um, you know, things like weddings and lighting and timelines on a daily basis. And most people only encounter those sorts of things a few times in their life. I mean, most, most people only get married once. And so um, the, we have the upper hand in that, you know, we're shooting anywhere from 15 to 30 weddings a year. We've seen pretty much every scenario possible unfold. And so if we can kind of educate our clients on what to um, expect and just really like honestly hold their hand through the whole experience. Um, yeah, you're the expert, be the guide. Beautifully summed up. Okay, talk to me about time management. It's it's mm. a it, it's an ongoing challenge. We see it all over the place within the photography industry in particular to manage, kind of juggle our personal lives and our business lives. We're, we're mo most of us, or a lot of us anyway, are working at home. And yeah. so creating some sense of separation between work life and personal life also can be tough at times. Is there a principle that has enabled you to better manage time and kind of create that space for yourself and for the important people in your life? Yeah, um, I think the most important thing um, is getting really clear on your values and getting really clear on your priorities and then setting strategies in place to safeguard those things. So for me, um, I really take into consideration Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm. Uh, so my spiritual, physical, and emotional health yep. is paramount. It's at the very top, mm -hmm. kind of in a little ball altogether. Um, and then that is followed by being a present parent and an engaged mother and wife. Um, and work comes after those things, even though stable employment is absolutely essential to our needs as a family. Um, it takes a lot of courage to kind of center your life around your own needs first. But I really do believe that only the most beautiful things fall into place when we have the courage and the initiative to do that. And yeah, it really is interesting, isn't it? Like when we spend at minimum, we'll just, we'll say conservatively, we spend maybe 40 hours a week working. And a lot of times as business owners, it can be a lot more than that. And yet we're talking about what is super important, which is prioritizing our, certainly our personal health. I was even talking to my son about this just the other day and he was, he's 20, he's 20 years old. And he was talking about how that, and he's managing a super busy schedule. He's in college. And he was talking about, despite that schedule, how he was making sure that he prioritized his, the management of his health. He's 20 years old and he understands this. Uh, so hopefully we're all doing that, but I love that you prioritize that. It, there's some kind of weird, um, I don't know, dichotomy, I guess, in that we have so much of our time allocated to work, yet we're talking about prioritizing our personal life, right. being clear about the priorities. How do you, so I think a lot of it really comes down to a, a feeling in many cases too. And what I mean by that is how do we make the people on the other side of us feel as though they are a priority, despite the fact that they see us spending so much time working, that they feel like they are more important at the end of the day. Is there a way that you've learned how to do that effectively? Honestly, it's, um, it really comes down to practice <laughs> and I've had a ton of support along the way. Um, I cannot, I cannot speak to therapy enough, like find a good counselor, meet with them regularly. It has really helped me to tease out, um, how to prioritize things and how to be a better communicator. Um, and I've also been working with um, an energy healing guide, meditation coach, and I'm actually currently in a six-week workshop with other women. And we are trying to find the answers to these questions. Um, you know, how do we let the, the people around us know that they are important and valued while also putting ourselves first? It's, it's a little bit of a dance, hmm. 
Mm. Um, but some, I guess some practical examples would be, and this is a new one that I'm trying, but I'm really trying to step away from my desk no later than five o'clock every day. Um, and as photographers, I'm sure we can all understand how challenging that can be. So I'm just having to shift some things around in my life in order to make that possible because yeah. it's important. It's important to me. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, it, we can complicate, we, in fact, we do tend to complicate things as human beings, right? Especially in 2022 culture, because we have so many options and so many choices and opportunities. So we throw all of this stuff into the mix and it just naturally makes it more complicated. We take a lot of that noise out and we just kind of simplify it down to the absolute minimum number of moving parts, if you will, in that equation. Right. And in this case, I have my work, I have my family, I have a certain number of hours in the week, and I just have to make a simple choice, which is I'm going to only spend this much time because at the end of the day and at the end of my life, my relationship with my kids or my relationship with my partner or my relationship with my friends for that matter, even depending on the circumstance is more important than this you know, this thing that I do on a day-to-day -day basis, sitting in front of a computer or taking pictures or otherwise, that the relationships right. with the people in our lives are way more important. So we just have to make a considered decision to, to prioritize that. Again, really great reminder. I appreciate you sharing that. And thanks for everybody listening in who's in, and streaming who's, who's chiming in. Jason's uh, listening in from California. Jason was a, a guest on our show not too long ago, actually, Jason Sebastian. So shout out, Jason. Thanks for listening in. And he actually chimed in in our conversation earlier. He said, clear and effective communication uh, yep. And, and that is super, super important. Ellie chimed in. She said, I feel it's difficult to focus on work when your core needs are not met. And I would agree, Ellie. I wonder what the balance is though. And I, I know we're going to get to the main topic here of working long distance or running a long distance business, but I am curious to, to stay here for just a second. And I, I'd love to get your take really on, on this, the balance, I guess, Madison of, our culture is so obsessed, honestly, with this idea. At least they talk about it like they're obsessed anyway with this idea of self-care. I mean, that phrase self-care is used all the time and probably more so even in the last year or two, especially around COVID. But what's where is like at what point is that obsession with self-care actually detrimental? Like where we're where we're making too big of our too big a deal of our feelings and this notion of taking care of ourselves to the point where I, I, I don't know that there's we actually strike an imbalance there. You know, we, we talk a lot about the fact that we need to take care, better care of ourselves or our relationships um, instead of working nonstop. But in some ways, it feels like this pendulum has swung to the opposite extreme in some cases. And I feel like by kind of obsessing over that notion, in some cases, we're blowing it way out of proportion, too. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a really good perspective. So um, if we look at it as like very black and white thinking, um, so like being a workaholic would be on one end of the spectrum and then um, heavily, heavily prioritizing self-care to the point of not prioritizing work would be on the other end. And if we can kind of find a happy medium, you know, this, the pendulum is not swinging either far left or far right, but just kind of like a steady tick in the middle um, is where we're going to find more balance. Mm. Um, I like that I picture, think, actually, when you talk about just like, it's not that it stays in the exact middle. There's, there is a right. movement back and forth, kind of a steady yeah. ticking back and forth, but it's not making these big swings left and right. That's yeah, a great way to put it. It's more of an ebb and a flow. Um, and I think for me, the, the reason I am so focused on self-care is because for so long I was on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, just fully immersed in being a workaholic and uh, drawing a lot of my own self-worth and my value from what I do for work or, you know, what, what kind of jobs I was able to secure or, you know, how big of a contract could I get? That's where I was really seeking my joy and um, my self-esteem. And when I started to peel back those layer, layers, really after having my son is what kind of stirred the dust up a little bit. Um, that's when I started to realize like, okay, the, the pendulum definitely cannot be all the way over here. Um, I've got to figure out how to, how to, to get some sort of balance. Yeah. I think the other point of conversation that's missed a lot of times too, is if, if somebody's obsessive over work, if that's the only thing that they know and really seem to find any kind of fulfillment in I, my question to them is what are you compensating for? Like if that's, if that's the only world that you're comfortable with and that's the only thing you know, and going outside of that, you're, you feel at a loss, 
that that begs some questions too and and i think at the end of the day to kind of bring it back to what you were saying getting back to a place where there is this this kind of healthy tick i i just love that picture i think it's great because our, I mean, our, our culture in general just tends to do these massive swings. And I think that's sure. the case in the, around this topic too. A healthy tick back and forth. Sure. In some cases we may work a little bit more. Sure. In some cases we may take an extra break, but that healthy tick around the middle somewhere, that's a, that's a much right. better place to be. And I think that's really actually a great, great point. Yeah. Um, and Jason actually chimed in too, and I'll pop this up really quick for anybody. I haven't read this book before. He said, loosely related to priorities. There's a great book that came to mind, as you mentioned, priorities and how to communicate it. Clown and Townsend's Boundaries. And um, I, I don't know. Have you heard of that book before, Madison? I haven't read that one. I read a lot of self-help type yeah. books but I will add that to the list. It sounds wonderful. And I'll go and throw one out there that we've mentioned occasionally in the podcast, which is the four-hour work week. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of people will hear that or have heard that and they kind of roll their eyes at the idea because everybody's like, well, four hours, like, what are you talking about? There's no way you can work four hours in a week or only work four hours a week. And, and Tim Ferriss, who's the author of that book has since explained, he wasn't suggesting that people only work four hours a week ultimately. And and for anybody who reads the book, you'll find this. And it's, it's just a really, really valuable read. He's talking about principles that enable us to work more intelligently so that we can have more flexibility so that again, back to our conversation, Madison, our life doesn't revolve around and, and the accomplishments of our life don't revolve around work. There's so much more to life than work. I mean, there are a million more things that we could do and we could spend our time on. Um, and so the idea that we spend, you know, whatever that ends up being 60, 70% of our life just working is it's so sad to think about at the end of our, our you know, we spend 30, 40, 50 years working. And the majority of that is just that. And, and there's so percentage wise, so a little bit of time spent with people or going on adventures or, you know, helping, donating our time to help with a charity, whatever it might be, or even just spending time on a hobby. Um, Such a large percentage of our life is work. And so working more intelligently and intentionally enables us the creative freedom to allocate time, not just to work, still be able to generate a living, but then also have some freedom and flexibility to do other things. And it's a really great read. That is, um, and, and actually for everybody listening in, bokabookshelf.com, we've got some of our most popular recommendations there. That might actually be on that list as well. But I know we spent a little time there, Madison. Thanks for kind of indulging me in that. I think it's an important, yeah. really yeah, important conversation. Important. And Ellie, I appreciate you um, making that, they're commenting on the conversation. And again, for those of you live streaming, don't be shy. Please do. We want to hear from you. Most of you kind of listen in and don't say a whole lot. We want you to chime in and be part of the conversation. And um, don't be shy. Please, please come on. Join the conversation. All right. A couple more questions here, Madison. Um, talk to me a little bit about the concept of delegation for you. When we talk about time management, naturally delegation comes up. Um, and certainly editing. You know, I've talked about my, my editing company already. Certainly editing is a big part of that conversation, but it's not the only one. Um, we could talk about album design. We could talk about administrative tasks, emails, phone calls, um, managing a calendar. All, everything associated with task and project management as it relates to our clients. I mean, there's so many different moving parts there on the admin side accounting. There's so many different elements of our business that we can delegate. And I'm curious if this is something that you've experimented with, have had any success with. Yeah. So after 2021, especially, it was my busiest year in business. Um, Also, I had a part-time job teaching at the same time. So um, honestly, I found myself in tears (laughs) uh, several times throughout the course of busy season, um, which, you know, photographers is like October, December. Um, and yeah, I found myself in just like tears one day and I'm like, okay, I've been listening to Nathan's podcast for, for forever. I know about photographers edit, like it's time for me to set up my account and like get it going. But what I realized is like, oh crap, it is October for them too. Like they're slammed as well. You know, busy season was not the time to like, you know, try and get on the calendar with them. Um, so I did go ahead and set up my account and, What I'm looking forward to is during my slow season, which for me and my clients is spring. I don't tend to book a whole lot of things in spring, Um, but to just kind of dabble with what it would be like to outsource editing. Um, A lot of photographers are so protective over their editing. Um, You know, I think a lot of photographers on this podcast have even talked about that, that it's hard to let the reins go a little bit, but something's got to give, you know, Uh, we we just can't do it all. Um, so yeah, I plan on maybe sending some of my smaller sessions, um, to 
to see how it works and then maybe cool. eventually one of my spring weddings even so that's really exciting okay well first of all I have to, to add this little kind of caveat, which is I had no idea we were going to talk about photographer's edit, Madison. So I appreciate yeah. the shout out. <laughs> this was not a setup, I promise. Um, but I, I appreciate you also mentioning the company and also your experience too. And and the, I guess just the honesty of, of I, I'm, I'm unsure. Like I'm going to give it a shot, but I'm not sure how this is yeah. going to work. I'm going to give it a try. You're right that this time right now is, is a great time. The, the so-called off season, I know a lot of wedding photographers January, February, even potentially March before things start to pick up where things are a little right. bit slower. You had the opportunity to set up um, that workflow. Same thing for portrait photographers in any case. And so I, I'm glad that you're taking advantage of that. And um, I'll go ahead and just, I mean, I, I, I popped this up on screen a second ago. Photogs edit, P-H-O-T-O-G-S-E-D-I-T on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and of course, photographersedit.com. But Madison, if you have any questions, if you think of any questions along the way, um, don't hesitate to just shoot me a DM and, and, um, more than glad to answer those. We're certainly glad to help and I'm glad you're going to give it a shot. Yeah. I know where to find you now. So I'll <laughs> you do time. absolutely. <laughs> but I, but I'm dead serious. Please feel free to send me a DM and that's really great. And, um, you know, there is, there is apprehension in giving something up, uh, believe it or not, I'm still learning how to effectively delegate. I'm super lucky to have a really, really great team around yeah. me. And um, I've mentioned this a couple of times in the podcast previously, but Jill, who heads up our digital marketing, also happens to be my girlfriend. And you talk yeah. about the, the the learning curve when it comes to communication. It, it's tough enough just delegating to anybody, you know, third party company, somebody in house or otherwise. Now I'm also communicating with my girlfriend, and so it's been a really interesting experience and a very positive one. I'll I, I'll add as well, I'm super positive in fact, but whether it's with Jill or other members of our team, our development team, our production team, it's, it's ultimately a really big process. And I am still learning what it means to, to delegate effectively. And, and um, ultimately what that means is just to be a good, a lot of it is just being a good communicator, right? Yes. Making you sure that to. there's a sense that you're on the same team, that you're working together and then effectively communicating what it is that you're looking for. You can't assume that somebody else is going to read your mind in that process because that gets you in a lot of trouble. There's so many moving parts to it, but communication is key and, and leading with good communication will make a big difference. Yeah. And that goes, you know, not even just for home or well for work stuff, but for home stuff as well. Um, you know, how is your home life impacting your work life? You know, are there things even at home that you could delegate out to other people? So it's definitely worth considering. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I know that, um, uh, actually, we're just talking about Jill. Jill has has had somebody that's come and cleaned her house in the past, and, and she's talked about the benefit of that. Um, same thing for myself. Um, something like that where you have somebody that is helping kind of supplement the work that you're already doing. If you're juggling a lot, it's nice to have that additional help, and it makes a big difference. And so, yeah, whether it's your in your so-called personal life or business life, there are opportunities to be able to ask somebody to kind of come alongside you and, and help. And um leveraging that even if it's a little bit of time a few steps at a time makes all the difference in the world because you're right we at some point something's got to give we can't do it all ourselves i know i can't i'd be in major major trouble if i didn't have um just this wonderful team that i get to work with so uh yeah shout out to, to them as well a couple more questions here very very quickly um first of all you talked about enjoying self-help books tell me one of your favorites that you would highly recommend to our listeners yeah, so um, I really believe that healthy businesses start with healthy individuals. So my answers might be a little uh, on the non-traditional side from what um, people normally share on this podcast, but I have three that are really good. Um, the first is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Amazing um, book. Yeah, it's so wonderful. And through the book, um, he really helps you understand uh, self-limiting beliefs that basically rob us of, of joy and cause needless suffering. So yeah, who, I've, I've got it pulled up on screen that? for everybody yeah. listening in. It's the four agreements, a practical guide to personal freedom uh, by Don Miguel, excuse me, Ruiz. Yeah. My, my uh, tongue is tied today, but we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. This is one, one that's been brought up on the, uh, on the show before. And it's, it's such a good book. In fact, I need to go back and reread it. I highly recommend it. Yeah. It's, it's a really easy read. Um, it's, it's simple to get through. You could probably get through it in a day or two. Um, the other one is untethered soul by Michael A. Singer. Um, and that just really helps you walk through your, um, relationship with your thoughts and your emotions. Um, and the last one, 
that I think I'm actually working on this one right now. I'm not done with it, but it's the body keeps the score. Um, and it's written by an MD and, um, the book explores how trauma literally reshapes both body and brain and it compromises our capabilities for experiencing pleasure, engagement, self-control, trust, all the things that are essential to having a well-balanced life, which could also lead to more balance in your work life. And I've got that pulled up on screen here. The body keeps the score, brain, mind, and body, and the healing of trauma. And then you mentioned Untethered Soul. It's top three book for me. Yeah. Excuse me. We mentioned this on the podcast before, uh, but The Journey Beyond Yourself, a fascinating, fascinating book. Highly recommend it. Yeah. And we'll make sure to put all of these in the show notes. What what was your one of your biggest takeaways, Madison, from Untethered Soul? And while you're answering this question, I'm going to grab a drink of water. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think my biggest takeaway was um, understanding the internal monologue. Um, it was a kind of an interesting concept for me to realize that the voice you hear in your head that kind of narrates the day-to-day life isn't actually your voice. Yeah. Um, it's a weird concept and it was <laughs> one that I really had to like highlight and dog yeah. ear and underline. Um, but it just, it was kind of life-changing for me. I'm not going to lie. hundred percent. And I'm right there with you and, and I would absolutely agree. Seriously, top three for me. And you're right. It, it's a weird, it sounds like one of those woo woo books, you know, people would say like just totally out oh, there. Oh, sure. And right. and I think even for, for a lot of people, even if they go to the extent of getting the book and start reading it, they they might be apt to put it down after 10 pages, for example. Just like, what is this guy even talking about? And I actually got yeah. to a point when I first started reading it, maybe the first 20% of the book or so, like, what what is he talking? He keeps repeating himself over and over again. I didn't I didn't get what he was doing. And then the light bulb clicked on and I'm like, oh my word. Uh, okay, I get it. I get it. And then of course continued and it is extremely powerful. There is a, and I think it's especially powerful in our culture again in 2022 where everybody is so obsessed with, and, and I'm guilty of it too. So um, this is not preaching here, but everybody's so obsessed with how they think and feel. Mm. And they give so mm-hmm. much significance to that voice inside their heads, like you're talking about Madison and, and he talks about in the book and give so much significance and weight to that, that it distracts them from getting to just live and, yeah. uh, and, you know, in our cases, of course, run businesses, it, it gets in the way of that on a, on a, just a massive, massive level. So he helps us make the separation, the distinction between that kind of narration that happens and then what's actually going on. And it's super important. And once you start to be able to make that distinction, it, you're almost able to meditate live, if you will. At meditation, a lot of times, you know, and he actually talks about meditation in the book. It's great, great, um, gives great context, I guess, to the topic. But meditation a lot of times is, is kind of labeled as or framed as something you sit and do and you close your eyes and maybe put your body in a particular position. But the idea of meditation is to be able to acknowledge that so-called voice, these thoughts that are just flowing through our head, to acknowledge them, but not to give them significance, to see them, but not give them significance. And you can literally live, like walk through the day doing that mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis. And it's absolutely incredible the power that that carries. So yeah, I, I'll, yeah. I'll totally nerd out talking about it if you let me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just imagine um, the the risks that you might take that you wouldn't otherwise uh, in business, especially if you didn't have to listen to that voice in your head saying like, oh, that's too risky or, oh, you're not good enough for that. Um, so to figure out how to, like you said, acknowledge it, but just kind of um, send it on its way. Um, is so beneficial. It really, really is. Um, I, yeah, at all. I, I just need to stop because I could keep going about it. But yeah, cannot recommend enough for everybody listening in. It's actually on the homepage of bokabookshelf.com. It's one of the most um, talked about here on the podcast, mainly because I talk about it so much, but I've given it as gifts to, to people endlessly. It's such a great book. Cannot recommend it enough. All right, Madison, last question before we get into this this main topic about how to run a run a long distance business. And um, this is actually a new segment of the podcast, kind of a newer question. But I want to that this segment of the podcast is called what the <laughs> that's right. We're, we're actually at the segment of the podcast now, the book of podcast, where we talk about kind of the, uh, the the wildest, craziest experiences that you may have had with your clients. A crazy story. Obviously, we're not going to name names here, but I'd, I'd love to know what that experience was. Hmm. So honestly, I'm lucky in that 
my career has been pretty uneventful, but um, there was this one time I showed up to photograph a 30th birthday party and I had just dyed my hair bright blue two days before from root to tip. And unknowingly, I showed up to this party and the whole theme of the entire party was blue because it was the birthday girl's favorite color. And the whole night, I think everybody was just kind of looking at me like, did you plan this? Like, are you that committed to your job? Um, but it was just totally by chance. It was not anything planned at all and totally funny. <laughs> that is brilliant. Oh, okay, this is perfect. See, this is going to be such a great segment because I can only imagine the stories that we're going to end up hearing. But that's a whole different twist than the idea of a funny experience. And unbeknownst yeah. to you, you ended up color coordinating with the with the party at hand. That's pretty brilliant. Okay, well, so I appreciate I appreciate you sharing that and, and all of that we've talked about already in this in this episode thus far. And I want to jump into our main topic at hand, which is how to run a long distance business. And I want to give a little bit of context to that title. Let's kind of set up the conversation. Talk a little bit about the backstory. You moved away from your primary marketplace as a photographer. And yeah. um, maybe you could explain a little bit of how that happened and how far away you moved. Sure. Um, so my husband and I were living in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I had just graduated college with my bachelor's in studio art a month before Ezra was born. Um, and so I never really had the chance to truly get my footing in my career. Um, there was always kind of like something else on my plate, whether it was school or nannying or being a new mom. Um, so photography was always my side hustle, so to speak. Um, and then after Ezra was born, I found myself um, a stay-at-home mom. And I quickly realized that I was suffering from postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, so I was actually re-hospitalized five days postpartum with high wow. blood pressure and chest pain from mm. panic attacks. Um, and so, and then spring of 2020 unfolded and um, the pandemic just exacerbated everything that was going on in my life. And so when Ezra was about eight months old, I finally reached out for help, um, got with a doctor, was able to get on some medication to help mitigate some of these symptoms that I was experiencing. And through the help of therapy, I was able to vocalize to my husband that I thought we should move back to my hometown to live with my family for a while. Hmm. Um, because I was just so under-resourced. I really just needed more support around me. And so um, we moved back to my hometown um, known as America's Georgia which is two and a half hours away from Atlanta without traffic, but we all know that that's not possible. So it's really more like three hours, maybe three and a half, just depending on the day. Wow, okay, so you're three and a half hours away from your marketplace. And I know this is a loaded conversation, lots of moving parts and details, but what would you say were the overwhelming fears that you had, if any, um, when you yeah. made that move from Atlanta to Americus you knew you were moving away from that marketplace. You've been working on building this business. What was that like? How did that feel? Yeah. So at that point in time um, that I made that decision, there were honestly no certainties about anything. Um, not only was I scared about what would happen to my business, but I was at that point in time fearing for my life, for my loved one's lives. Like vaccines weren't available yet. Um, we were in the middle of a global pandemic that none of us had ever experienced before. So there was just so much uncertainty in general that it really just felt like the decision-making was happening out of sheer survival mode. And it was like, like, forget everything. We've got to do what we need to do in order to not only survive, but to thrive as a family, like a new family. Um, and I'll pick up the pieces later. <laughs> wow. So it was very much a jump ship, like, you know, the scene in Forrest Gump where he just abandons his shrimp boat. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it felt like that. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, David chimed in. He said, best and most challenging decision we've ever made. And David, thanks for, for chiming in. Proud of you, Madison. Uh -oh. 
And um, <laughs> that's, that's, awesome. that's really, really kind. So I, I guess just to kind of give a little bit more context in that preparation process, I mean, I, I love that you took that risk, that, that leap and you went for it. Sometimes you just got to do that. You don't necessarily know all the answers, but was there right. any planning that went into that process for running your business remotely? Or was that something that you started trying to work out after you moved? Yeah, that was very much um, an afterthought. So there was definitely some healing that I needed to do with my postpartum conditions. So once I kind of got my footing underneath me with that and got my son into regular childcare, that's the, the, the moment where I was able to actually assess what I'm doing <laughs> to figure it out, so to speak. Okay. Um, so there was definitely a period there where it was like, just jump ship, mm -hmm. get settled, mm -hmm. get better and then figure out what we're doing. Um, it did take clear communication with my client base. Um, so really, I think it just started with opening up and being vulnerable with my client base about why I was making this decision. Um, okay. And it was a very, it was a hard conversation to have. Um, it's not easy to speak up about um, suffering from anxiety and depression, it, you know, sometimes it can feel like people might not truly understand, but I had to just kind of get past that a little bit and just share with people like, Hey, I need more support and I do want to keep my foot in this network and I'm going to figure out how to make that work, but I just don't have the answers right now. Yeah. Um, so just clear and open communication and then making decisions about what to do with pricing, I think. Mm is what came next. That's it. Yeah, I, that's such a loaded topic. Yeah, because the cost of living in Atlanta compared to South Georgia is drastically different. We live in a farming community. It's a small rural town. And Atlanta is like a major US city. And so um, at the time, I decided not to make any drastic changes to my pricing that I would just figure out how to make it work. <laughs> Um, and I didn't, I didn't actually up my prices until January of this year. So it, it took like a year and a half to kind of make that transition. Okay. Um, mainly because I was afraid of losing business. That, that makes sense. Uh, and yeah, there, again, there's so many moving parts here. Do me a favor, Madison, scoot to your left just a little bit. I'm starting to lose you in frame. There you go. Yeah, we got you. Gotcha. Perfect. We want to be able to see you while we're talking. Uh, so. Yeah. When it comes to pricing, my assumption would be as if you're moving from a, and maybe this is, well, you can lend some context to this, but if you're moving from a larger market where cost of living is higher, you're moving to a smaller market where cost of living is lower, that you could actually even lower your prices. When you talk about considering raising your prices, what's the context of that? Right. So um, what I discovered is at minimum, they had to stay the same. It wouldn't actually make sense to lower them because of all the extra planning time and effort that it takes to still drive to Atlanta to serve these clients. Sure. Um, so at minimum, I knew the prices had to stay the same Okay. that, you know, lowering was not ever an option. Okay. Now granted, you know, there are people in this area that might be interested in my services, um, locally, but I'm still kind of marketed at that Atlanta price point. Um, and that was a decision I had to make too, is that, you know, if I were going to lower my pricing, I would be looking to transition into a market down here. And that's not what I was interested in at that point in time. Right. Right. Okay. So, so I, I know that this is kind of hindsight is 2020 because you really did your, the, you figured out the moving parts of all of this after you moved, but having yeah. had that experience now being able to speak in hindsight, are there a few tips that you could, you could kind of recommend to our listeners who are getting ready to move anything that they should do proactively if they have the opportunity to just based on your experience? Sure. Um, I think taking into consideration. So if you know you're going to move, but you want to kind of keep your business going in the same area that you've been in, you've got to figure out um, essentially what it's going to cost you to do that. Not just with, you know, money, like as in gas, but your, your extra time. And how do you want to compensate for that? Um, and you either need to figure out how to roll that into your pricing, or maybe you have a flat rate and then travel to whatever location is additional. You know, I essentially serve like the entire state of Georgia. So I, when I set my pricing, I consider the fact that 
It could be a local session down here. It could be Savannah. It could be Atlanta. And so I, the way that I like to do it is just to kind of set my price and that is my price. And it includes me being able to travel to wherever I need within the state of Georgia to do that job. Okay. So considering price, and I'm, I'm actually, I've got a notebook here. I'm taking notes. So what is it going to cost to run my business long distance? And right. you're having to kind of consider the moving factors. So, or the, the moving parts within that, that conversation. So right. that's, that's the first thing to consider. What's the next? Um, really? Um, so this one has been a lot of trial and error, um, but it's been all about time management and how to manage your calendar. So for me, I've really found that um, it's best to kind of plan out your dates for the next four months at least, maybe even as, as far as six months out. But if you can kind of look at your calendar and decide, okay, this, these are the weekends I'm available to travel to Atlanta. These are the weekends I am not available because I want to be available to my family. Um, and really just planning ahead of time. That way you're not driving to Atlanta multiple times a week. Like you have to kind of plan it in chunks of time. Um, and the way that I've managed that has been, you know, I kind of go one client at a time. So let's say a client comes to me and they want to get a session scheduled for April 16th. Well, once I get them booked, that whole weekend is now an Atlanta weekend. And I really just push that and communicate with my client base like, hey, this is the weekend I'm in town. Um, this is your chance to have me for the month of April. Um, okay, that makes sense. So proactively managing your calendar, chunking the time spent in that location or chunking shoots in that remote location intentionally. That's and yeah. you said four to six in, months in advance. I know a lot of photographers are like, what? I like, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing next week. But I think that kind of intentionality behind a business probably lowers stress pretty significantly, doesn't it? Like to be able to think that long-term? Yeah, it can both raise and lower stress, I think. Okay. Because um, it does inhibit your ability to do things, I think, a little more spontaneously. Um, you know, let's say friends plan to get away weekend for like a week from now. But you know, for months I've had that planned as an Atlanta weekend. Well, that might be something I have to miss out on. Okay. So it can be a little inconvenient in that regard, but that's when I have to circle back and just remind myself, like I've made a commitment to kind of keep my client base in this certain city when I live in another. And that's just kind of part of the game. Okay. So we've got these first two ideas and you know, I, you and I were talking about this beforehand. Um, maybe we could just kind of roll this question into my next question it's not just about prep for that move, but then also then there's that intentionality to run your business long distance. And I feel like the, the answers to these, to that first question, you already, we could actually associate them with just the ongoing running of this long distance business. So maybe we can just kind of roll these all in together. I know you said you've sure. got a bunch of different ones. Yeah. Um, let's just go to the next one. So we, the first is what is going to cost to run your business long distance? Of course, this is something we're thinking about in, um, in advance, if, if at all possible. Proactively manage your calendar, chunking shoots in that remote remote location. What's the next idea? So also just getting really clear on what it is you do offer and don't offer. Um, after you make that move, it might not make sense to keep doing some of those lower paying jobs, so to speak, if it requires a lot of extra planning and a lot of extra driving. Um, so just considering maybe dropping some of those like lower paying type jobs from the um, plethora of services that you offer. For instance, um, I don't really offer, like earlier I mentioned the story about shooting the 30th birthday party. That's not really something that I do anymore. Okay. Um, so I really just keep it to, you know, weddings are the big one and then um, lifestyle newborn and family uh, sprinkled in some boudoir sessions. So just okay. getting clear on that. That's, and that's good. And it's probably a good thing to do for businesses in general, honestly. Like I, we were talking about how humans just tend to overcomplicate things and photographers, especially myself included, guilty of that. And that that even holds true when it comes to pricing and packages and the services and the products that we offer. Sometimes that can get overly complicated. And I just made note, refine your offerings, potentially removing some as necessary, and especially in the context of doing this remotely and thinking about that time chunking. I think that's super important. Okay, yeah. great. That's, that's great. Take us to the next one. 
Yeah. So also just exploring different business platforms that serve you well, as far as helping you manage your time and helping you to plan ahead effectively, and also platforms that are going to help serve your clients well. Um, so for example, I just started using this platform called Session this year. And the reason that I love it so much is that it helps me categorize the different types of sessions that I offer. So maternity, newborn, lifestyle, whatever it is. Um, it's super easy to just go in and categorize all of that. And at the same time, you can mark your availability. So I can be very clear about what weekends I'm available for Atlanta, what weekends I'm available for South Georgia clients, um, and kind of manage it that way. And it's super easy for clients to go in and find what they need, see what weekends I'm available for what locations, um, pay their retainer, and sign their booking agreement all in one place. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Is it session? Is it? Can you share the website? What is it? What's the site? Yeah, the the website is I think you session like you as in the letter. Um, dot com, but yeah, it's just a booking platform. Interesting. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pull this up as we're yeah, talking. Yeah, see if here. you can find it. You session. Um. There it is. Oh, use session. Got it. Okay, so I've got it right here. Make booking painless. For those of you that are live streaming, you can see this. It's use, U-S-E, session.com. Photographers make booking painless. Session makes it easier than ever to book clients, get paid, and grow your business with features that uniquely serve your photography business without all the best bells and whistles you, you never needed. And I like yeah. that. It looks like a really simple, clean interface, which, again, we need simplicity in our lives. I think that's great. This is mm -hmm. really interesting. I'm not sure how I hadn't heard of it yet. Yeah, so it's really been a game changer for me as far as managing you know, clients in a different city, um, just to help them understand when I am available to them and when I'm not. That's really, uh, really cool. So, um, I'll have to bookmark this and come back to it, but again, for anybody listening in use U S E session.com. This is of course not a sponsored, uh, mention, but, uh, you can check out that service and it, I love good design. I love simple design, clean design and a easy user experience. And this looks like they're just knocking that out of the park. That's really cool. Okay. So, yeah, looking for services that enable you to run your business more efficiently. I mean, you're talking, you're, you're thinking about, in fact, you don't even have the option, but to think about time management, yes, more efficient time management when it comes to running your business. And so naturally you want to look for those services that enable, to, enable you to do that. And that's, that's huge. Great recommendation. Yeah. All right. Take us to the next point. Yeah. So um, one of the other things that I love so much about um, using session is um, it allows me, this goes into my next point, you got to consider how flexible or non-flexible you can be for your clients when things come up. Um, and what I like about session is that I can easily refund clients should I need to cancel or if, um, not that that happens super often, um, but like this week, for example, I was supposed to drive to Atlanta for a newborn session and I ended up with the stomach bug. And obviously I can't make a three hour drive with a stomach bug, let alone be around a newborn. And so that was just one of those instances where I just, you know, asked her, Hey, do you want to reschedule? Would you like a refund? And session made it so painless to just refund that payment to that client. Um, so she could kind of um, you know, just mark that off of her to-do list as a new mom. Okay. Um, having so flexible yeah, really systems in place is so it, it can be tough sometimes because yeah. we kind of like, this is my business and this is, how I'm going to do things and this is my schedule and it's hard to be flexible, but it, it's, it can't be like, I guess it, it can never be stated too much. Um, I should say yeah. that, that being flexible, being able to go with the flow is important. And if we have the tools in place that enable us to do that, all the better. Yeah. Absolutely. Because life happens, right? It happens for us. It happens for our clients. Um, and obviously you just need to have some things in place, um, for when something comes up, because if you're managing a client base three hours away, it's going to be harder to make things work when something comes up. Yeah. Uh, I guess is what I'm getting at there. Yep. Okay. So, um, I've got five points down here. I'm not sure how many more you have, Madison. This is great. Like keep going. How many more you have? Yeah. Just a couple. Okay, cool. Um, the other is just to um, like learn to let some things go. If you're going to be managing a client base in a different city, 
like I said earlier, it's going to take extra time, effort, and time away from your family. Um, and so really just evaluate, like, what can you take off of your plate? And for me, um, the most recent decision I had to make was letting my teaching job go. So I was a lower school art teacher, and I did that part-time um, on top of running a business. And at the time, it felt like a great move because it was something I was passionate about and interested in doing. But as far as my business is, was concerned, it was not the right move. It took time away. I was finding myself um, continuously, like daily, not having the time in my schedule to do the very basic things that my business needed from me. You know, something as simple as follow through on emails or um, sending a client ideas about outfits when I told them they would, you know, things that are just important to me. Um, yeah. I wasn't having time to do those very basic things. So sometimes you just got to say no, right? Yeah. That was the next one. Just reevaluate and figure out what you can take off of your plate. Um, and then I have a couple more and it really just comes down to, um, for weddings, you know, for, for client sessions, I'm really using that platform so they can already see what it is that I offer um, in one really easy to use platform. But for weddings, those are kind of inquiries that come in a little differently. So for that, um, I want to make sure I have really beautiful PDFs that explain the pricing and the structuring of how I do things for wedding days that makes it simple for the client. That way, I'm not having to type an email from scratch every single time. Um, and then the last one was just to make sure that your website is easy to navigate, um, which I found for me is kind of an ongoing project. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really can be, can it? I, and again, Jill and I were just having this conversation today and talking about user experience. And we've, we've had the, I guess, the luxury of being able to work with a variety of people over the years at Photographer's Edit to help us continue to improve and refine the user experience. We've taken different approaches to it, but we've never approached it with the kind of scientific approach that we have in the last year, the results that we've gotten in large part, thanks to all the work that Jill's put in, but the results that we've gotten from being way more intentional and ultimately scientific and data-driven with our website have been astronomical. I mean, we had our biggest year at Photographer's Edit last year in 13, 14 years, and we're headed that way again this year. And, and part of that has to do with the, I think certainly the accessibility of the site, people being able to find it easily, Mm -hmm. uh, but then we're also thinking about user experience and to your point, the previous point, and I'm, again, I'm taking notes here, but make it easy for clients to understand your service. I mean, they need to be able to navigate that site easy. And then when they get to the information about the service, it's got to be easy to understand. And again, photographers tend to be kind of overly complicated and wordy at times. I'm super yeah. guilty of that. And, and so we've got to work to simplify, you know, write the thing out and then figure out how to take 70% away from it or even 50% away yes. to begin with. Yes. Make it simple because the more simple you make it, the less effort you have to, not that, I mean, you should always put in effort to like guide your um, potential client to whatever package is the right fit for them. Yeah. But the more, the more work you put in ahead of time with like these pricing PDFs, it's, you're working smarter, not harder. And so. that's it, you know, and I'm glad you, and well, maybe we'll kind of end on this note. You bring this up, the distinction between what well, it, it working and it, actually I would say we can work hard and smart. Right. So I've had a session for years and years. And a lot of this podcast has been about this. I had a podcast previous to this about this topic of ultimately creating more freedom and flexibility for ourselves as business owners. The thing is that that you can be super intelligent in the way that you work and not put the time and effort and energy in and you don't have the payoff. And, and I literally when I started Photographer's Edit uh, 15 years ago, my goal was to essentially work four hours a week. And that's, that's where I got to. I mean, I, I actually took Tim Ferriss's book literally and, and I made that work. I made it happen. And I shouldn't say I made it happen. Thanks to a, an incredible team. I was able to have that luxury of, if I wanted to only just putting a few hours of work a, a weekend or excuse me, a few hours of work in a week. But the caveat to that is my company would could easily be twice the size that it is now. Had I, in those early years, put more time, intentional time, intelligent time and effort and energy into the company rather than just kind of coasting. And sure. so I think that we can work intelligently and we can also, if we're going to put that extra, if we're going to work really hard and, and develop our work ethic to your point, Madison, put the time and effort and energy into the things that actually have the biggest results, right? When you think about uh, the, the pulley, for example, I'm going to develop this pulley that ultimately creates incredible amounts of leverage. So the work that I do put in 
it's it equals to two, three people because I'm yeah. working intelligently when I am putting that time and effort and energy. And I think that's, I think that's a more talk about balance, a more balanced conversation to be had. It's not an either, or I work more intelligently, so I don't have to work hard. I can both work yeah. hard and intelligently get two, three X, the leverage that the average person does and get away with only working say 30 hours a week or 40 hours a week instead of 60 or whatever it might be, sure. because I'm, I am doing both of those things simultaneously. Yeah. And I also want to speak to that. Um, if you're going to put in effort in not only bringing in leads, but closing them, you need to be putting in an equal amount of effort into the client experience once they are booked with you. Um, because if you put all of your effort like into getting your leads um, booked with you, so to speak, then that's putting all your eggs in one basket. You have to continue to put hard work in to make sure that they're experience with you from start to finish is, you know, you're putting in just as much effort mm. there because other, otherwise you're just going to end up with an overload of clients and no way to manage them effectively. Balance again, so, right? That, what did you say? That, that, that pendulum, pendulum just ticking. Yeah. It's just, got a swing in the middle and, and yeah, swing, but it's going to swing in the middle. That's good. Okay. Well, you know, this has been a, just a, a productive and, and I think really practical conversation. And I really appreciate you making time to kind of share with all of us, myself included, remind our listeners one more time and I'll pop this up on screen as you're talking about it, but where can they find you and follow you online? Sure. Um, my website is madisonhernandez.com and on Instagram, you can find me at Madison Hernandez photo. Perfect. And I just popped those up on screen for anybody who's live streaming. Make sure you go check that out. And for those of you listening to the audio, Madison Hernandez, just like it sounds photo, we'll link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And uh, Madison, thank you so much again for sharing with all of us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Nathan. It's been awesome.